You are listening to Terminators on Tech. I'm Chuck, your host. Every week, I pick the brain of my fellow Terminators to talk about tech. Hello, thank you so much. Uh, you are now watching Terminators on Tech. And today uh, is very special because we have our five-star Terminator here as our guest. So thank you, Chris, uh, for being our guest. <laughs> Honored, so, thank you. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, so I know that you have a very impressive background because like Chris is the founder and CEO of the IONA uh, Technology and um, also board member of Terminus TV. <laughs> so um, also he's involved in a lot of organizations like the UNICEF uh, Ireland. And um, so uh, anything that I've missed that you would maybe like to tell us a little bit more about you? Well, well I guess, uh, you know, at heart I'm an engineer and I, you know, my, as an undergraduate at university, I was an electronics engineering graduate. Uh, way, way back in <laughs> the late 70s, but it was just about the time the microprocessor was coming out and I was interested in using microprocessors for industrial control. So that sort of got me involved in hardware and wire up guns and soldering arms and putting circuits together and then into machine language and assembly language. So I'm, you know, I'm one of those old timers <laughs> that goes way back. So uh, at heart, I'm still an engineer, love engineering, love to understand how do things work and creating things, you know, building things, building new things. Yeah, so, um, so you said that like you, you, you know, started as an engineer, but like uh, I know that you actually like have a very important roles in a lot of companies. <laughs> so I, I actually, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I'm, kind of younger obviously but um I, I don't actually know like how it how is it like to be you know be running a startup in the 90s because it's for me it seems like a long time and i was a baby a long at the time, time ago, and i'm an old guy and my hair is gray so <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah i'm one of the old timers you know, when i started we were using punch cards and machine language and paper tape you know <laughs> a long long time ago so yeah no i i, I was uh, involved in uh, in iona technologies co-founders Henri and colin and Sean back in the early 90s uh, here in Dublin in Ireland and um, I guess you know one of the big changes is you know the, the funding environment has really changed for startups compared to what it was like back in the early 90s here in Dublin uh, a lot more venture capital was available seed and angel capital but for those of you in the Irish startup community you know one big difference was that the state agency Enterprise Ireland did not exist when we started. <laughs> so we started even before Enterprise Ireland was started. So, so, so it's kind of a, a long time ago. So I think, you know, the startup community in, in Dublin has come on leaps and bounds since then. And one of the great things about Dublin and Ireland is the presence of so many multinationals here. Um, you know, the Facebooks, the Googles, Ebays, you know, there's, there's a great community of both multinationals and the technology sector, as well as the startup sector. So it's a really exciting and healthy environment to be in. And that's a big change, I think, from the, from the early 90s. So is it, is it more difficult to run a startup in the 90s, like compared to now? Well, probably not. <laughs> I don't know. I think, obviously, you know, it's not easy doing a startup. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of excitement. I think probably one of the key challenges for any startup in any decade and any time is, you know, being taken seriously. Um, a lot of startups sort of <laughs> the rest of the industry looks, them, looks down on them as babies or infants or rowdy teenagers. 
and getting to that point where actually you're seen as a you know a mature adult and, and somebody that you can do business with so getting to that point we've got credibility as a player in the industry and uh, a trusted player and working with customers and partners that's the key transition for any startup and that's as challenging now in a very noisy environment of a lot of startups as it was you're back you're back in the 90s it's how do you get noticed how do you get taken seriously how do you get endorsed how do you get people to say yeah i really want to work with this company and uh, and partner with them so that's always the key transition i think for for any startup yeah so i i believe that at that time you know yeah like you said this it's not a thing yet so so it's, it must be difficult like uh, people think that like you're a company with just a few guys like how <laughs> how does it work and uh, yeah. yeah yeah how does it work and i think part of it is being an exciting place exciting technology that people want to find out about part of it is just the culture around the company and being open and transparent and helpful and responsive you know <laughs> that you're not waiting three or four days for the support organization to get back to you when you've got a support inquiry when you, yeah. you know you want you, you want to get a you know you have a, a sales or a purchase inquiry you're getting immediate response from the company so yeah acting uh, as if you're a much bigger company that you are being really responsive really interactive really helpful with people and uh, that's a key transition too for a company and, and being able to, to, you know, to defend that and grow with the company. So as the company scales, still remaining a very positive culture, still remaining very open and accessible. Uh, and that's, that also is a big challenge as you go from 10 people to 20 people to 50 people to 200 people to 1,000 people. It's, it's very challenging to keep that culture of excitement and growth and buzz. Yeah. And I do believe that like now we have so many like access to technologies and, you know, maybe like it's even easier now than before that maybe the internet is not as fast as now. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you think back to the dot-com era that I was involved in back in the late nineties, early two thousands, you know, the speed of progress there was, was amazing, but uh, you know, still things are, are very exciting in the industry and there's a lot happening. And I think particularly uh, with new technologies, new interfaces, um, you know, there's still a lot of scope for enormous creativity and innovation. Yeah, so you talk about the dot-com. So I know that, you know, um, there was a few crises before, you know, dot-com is the big one that, you know, even I was, I was, you know, younger, I still remember. And uh, of course, the... <laughs> Also, the Lehman Brothers, you know, um, that, that one I was in school, but like I can see the, the, the you know, the society panic about all these like economical crashes. And um, so now we are in another big one. So, yeah, yeah, with COVID. how do you compare? Um, like, is it even worse now? Or, uh, it got it's very difficult. Uh, certainly, the dot com was a major um impact on the software tech sector, uh, but not necessarily the whole economy. Whereas if you think back to the banking collapse in 2008 and Lehman Bankers, and by the way, Lehman Brothers were my bankers, <laughs> and uh, Lehman took to our company public in, in our IPO in 97, and uh, we were involved with Lehman right up to 2008, so you know, I've uh, fond memories of a lot of good people at Lehman Brothers. Yeah, you think back to those times, they were different challenges. Um, I think with COVID-19, uh, clearly it's very concerning to the entire planet and to all of us. And um, a lot of worry, you know, worry for, for a lot of people and families. 
Um, I think if you think of through the tech sector, um, at the same time, it's creating opportunities. The world is, in my view, fundamentally changing right now. And the use of the internet as a, as a tool for everybody and not just perhaps for those who were already technical savvy, but for those now who weren't so technical savvy, but are now using the internet more and more. That, uh, and the move to remote working, move away from centralized offices, it is creating opportunities, I think, to rethink the way that we do business. And when you go through these major transitions for established companies and established players, it can be quite often for them, quite often difficult for them to change their business model, where startups can be more nimble, uh, respond faster. So I think it is creating a lot of interesting opportunities for the right companies who can respond in a very positive way to COVID-19. But it's like as a, as a you know a manager or leader of a company, so any any advice that you could you could you could give to like to for example like like us you know or or like companies similar to us that you know we like we are kind of a smaller company like where we are agile but at the same time you know when there's a crisis you know the, the big guys they may have like a bigger cash pool to to kind of survive that but for smaller yeah. company it's more vulnerable in that way so like what 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 advice you would give. <laughs> One of the best advice given to me was from, uh, I won't mention his name, but he was a tier one CEO of a very major American technology company. Uh, and he, he said to me, Chris, you know, one of the key things as being a CEO of any company is hiding the terror in your eyes. And I thought, what, what does that mean? But he meant that you know, every day as a CEO is a terrifying thing to do. <laughs> And staying calm and staying, you know, collected on top of the situation, not showing panic, being able to just work things through. So staying calm, both when things are going very, you know, extremely well, but also when things are going extremely badly, keeping that balance. I think, you know, one of the key things in a, in a crisis is here is sort of not to, not to think it doesn't apply to you, you know, to think, you know, it's affecting everybody else, but we're different. We're a different company. It doesn't apply to us. It, it, you know, we are different. <laughs> somebody else's problems. That's very dangerous thinking, I think. And um, actually, I wrote about this recently in an article in, in the national newspaper, one of the national newspapers here called the Irish Times. And I reminisced about King Canute, who was a Norse king, uh, who was... Uh, uh, influential here in Ireland, in Leinster, part of Ireland where we are, and after the Battle of Clontarf. One of the things Canute is famous for was he, he got his advisors together and he brought his chair down to the beach and sat at the edge of the shoreline and he commanded the incoming tide to stop, you know, not to wet his feet. <laughs> and he was seen as, as very arrogant at the time because he couldn't stop the tide. The tide did come in, the natural forces did come in. But it turned out that his point was that even as powerful king as King Canute couldn't stop nature. You know, there were some things he was in control of, there were some things that he was not in control of and he was not in control of nature. And he wanted to show his admirers that even the powerful King Canute couldn't turn back the rising tide. And I think as we see some leaders in some technology companies and indeed political leaders, you know, they're, they're trying to solve the COVID-19 crisis by just sheer willpower, you know, <laughs> trying to will it away and pretend it doesn't exist and we're fine and we're different. But 
you know, facing up to the crisis and working it through, making sure everybody's okay, but looking then for opportunities of how can you actually help and make a difference and uh, actually build a new way of doing business in the results of the crisis is, is the key challenge. So not closing your eyes, not pretending that you're different, but you know, grabbing hold of it and addressing it and working through it is I think the key mindset change that anybody needs to go through. Yeah, I think that's a very solid advice and it applies to a lot of things as well, actually. So that's really good. And um, so let's let's talk about um, your community work. How about that? And um, I know that you like you have spent a lot of time um, in like, for example, you found, uh, you know, a, a you know, organization called uh, Science Gallery. So it's like outreaching and it's like helping young adults. Um, you know, uh, so what do you think about like the youth nowadays? Like how how like how to groom them into the new leaders? Because like that that's the future of the development, right? So we need young people, new blood. So um, what what do you think is needed? <laughs> yeah, the science gallery has been a really interesting project. I was really involved in the start of it. It was uh, started in Trinity College Dublin here in Ireland, one of the Irish universities, and now there. Are, Science galleries, it's, it's spread internationally. We have uh, London, Melbourne, Bengaluru in India, Venice, Rotterdam, Atlanta, Detroit. It really has become a global movement. But the science gallery is, and its sort of philosophy is aiming them really to think, to really help young adults think about science and technology in new ways, and in particular in sort of innovative ways where art and science collide. I think in the middle of this crisis in COVID-19, um, I hope it's bringing people back to sort of thinking hard about science and science is what's going to solve and bring us through this crisis of COVID-19. And there's other huge uh, challenges for the planet, not least climate change. And so the role of science, the role of technology, the role of engineering is really fundamental in helping humanity at this point. And I think COVID-19 has been, unfortunately perhaps, but a wake-up call for the value of real hardcore science. So I hope it's inspirational to young people thinking about their careers, you know, in school, uh, whether it be in, you know, in their, in your sort of, while they're still infants or, or young children or coming through into teenage years, thinking about their career and also their parents and their uncles and their aunts and their grannies and grandpas who mightn't necessarily have been technologists themselves, but thinking about, well, science and technology and engineering is the way forward and the impact that you can make by global cooperation, by discovering new ways of working with nature to address things. So science gallery is one movement. I, I really think science is really hopefully making a comeback perhaps in the last few years or so, some political leaders were saying the last thing we need is more science and more experts. But I think the world is saying, actually, we do need science. We do need experts. And working together, we can address some of humanity's biggest issues. So I hope, you know, uh, paradoxically, COVID-19 is can be inspirational for young people to think about would they like to work in a career or where you're discovering and uh, producing new solutions that can help everybody. Yeah, I think uh, especially maybe to young girls because usually like you know, yeah. yeah, they would think traditionally always oh, not something for girls, but actually like they also can contribute. They also can have a career in uh, science and technology. So. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I mean that's a very good point, Chuck. I mean I I, I, you know, I should have mentioned 
young women uh, explicitly, but you know, it's it's difficult for me to comment sort of in general about the the educational systems of, of other countries, but here in Ireland, we've had challenges in having young role models and female teachers in, in our school system, and to some extent in our universities, but particularly in our school system, in supporting young girls who want to go on science and technology, and then having the the teachers who can help them and influence them in, in that way. So it's a kind of chicken egg. I think you need young female leaders, you need female staff in your educational system, and that's a kind of a chicken and egg. Now that situation I think is improving in Ireland, but it's you know it's, it's a long road that we have to go to, and I, I can't really comment on what happens in, in other countries. Yeah, I feel like because uh, I'm also like in the community, people still like oh female figure they still talk about Ada Lovelace you know like Absolutely. like we need more reasons you know um you know fundamental figure that you know we could um have a mo model for young people so yeah yeah <laughs> yeah so um let's talk a little bit about us so about yes. like let's say like a graph database you know um so do you think like uh, you know what do you think about this industry? Is it like, you know, graph database is just a buzzword, like, you know, like blockchain <laughs> or Bitcoin, you know, yeah, yeah. Like, or is it like really something that is amazing that, you know, has something? I, I, I think it's really amazing. And bear with me, you know, give some thought to this. You know, the, the, the history of sort of computing, and once again, I am an old timer, it is all about trying to make the technology accessible and usable to, to, to people. And uh, you think about how user interfaces have changed. I mean, I, again, I'm an old guy, but I can think back to the the mouse, the, with the key, you know, the mouse when it first came out, and Engelbert's Engelbert's work on that, and then, you know, the use of the finger as a pointing device. The first iPhone with Steve Jobs and gestures. And actually, a shout out to another company I'm involved with uh, called Volograms right now, which is working on 3D, three-dimensional uh, imaging and, and reconstruction. And so I think we're going to see a move away from 2D, 2D flat uh, screens to three-dimensional imaging reasonably soon. And then if you think about software, you know, making software more accessible, one of the key developments in software, I think, was the development, you know, surprisingly, of the spreadsheet and Dan Brecklin. And that really changed people's perception of software in a very fundamental way, maybe more so than say the word processor, and made software and computers accessible. So much of business is run off spreadsheets. Yeah, of course, we, you know, we have scripting, we have Python, we have this, we have functional languages. Another key moment too was um, Nygarden and Dahl back in University of Oslo way back in the 1960s, and the development of Simula 67, which was the development of, of the idea of classes and using uh, objects and classes and inheritance to model things. That was another key transition. If you think about software tools, I think another key moment was fairly recently, actually, in 2008 with GitHub and the development of GitHub, uh, which was done in, by Ruby on Rails team and Wonstoth. And you think of all of those movements, and um, now you look at data, and you know the key thing, the key transition in data was Ed Cobb developing the relational database and system R and then Ingres and then Oracle. And really data hasn't really caught up yet. Now, of course we have unstructured data, we've NoSQL, we've graph databases, but 
data is still really kind of the elephant in the room. I think the entire software technology industry data is still incredibly difficult to manage, to coordinate, to share, to work with. (laughs) It's much harder than software. It's much harder than user interface. It's, it's, and what's missing is how do you make data much more accessible and easier to manage and for mere mortals to actually work with and both structured and unstructured data and i think that's why terminus is really so exciting it has the potential to be a key moment in the industry because it's a combination of structured data and unstructured data together in one system that's very powerful and oh, by the way, it's not just about managing data, but it's also about cooperating, collaborating with data, sharing data. And the team, you know, are talking about GitHub for data, and it really is. Now, I realize the team haven't quite re- reached the point where they're about, you know, whether it's releasing this, but it is coming very, very, very soon, you know, the next month or so. And the ability to treat data in the way that you do treat software like GitHub with versioning, branching, mergers, rebasing, joins, <laughs> be able to collaborate with uh, data in the same way that we already collaborate with open source, with GitHub, is going to be, I think, a real game changer for the industry. So collaboration of data and both structured and unstructured data in a way you can unify. And by the way, it's very fast. By the way, it's transactional. You can trust it, is a key, 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 really transition potentially for the whole sector. So I'm very, very excited by Terminus. Yes, it's early days. Yes, we've some way to go, but the potential here is actually quite dramatic. Yeah, I I really hope that this would uh, be, you know, something, you know, people would definitely remember and change change the game (laughs) for the the technology. It actually is, yeah. Yeah. And um, so I know that you have actually some hands-on trying Terminus TV yourself. You give a demonstration <laughs> like a few weeks ago in our um, Discord server, and it got really good feedback. So um, any, you know, any insight like about that, you know, our technology that you know you could maybe tell tell us, you know, the audience a little bit more, um, like how do you feel like as a as a user in that case, like how do you feel about it? <laughs> Yeah, um, I mean, going way back my time in Iona, uh, I was a C++ developer, a heavy C++ developer, <clears throat> a little bit of Java and JavaScript, but, but mainly C++. And then in the last um, few years or so, I've been doing quite a bit of Python work in the context of actually a different project, not related to Terminus, but, but quite a lot of Python. So when Terminus came out and worked, I started playing around with it because I wanted to understand it and see what it was, what it was capable of. And so I started uh, you know, using it and I've done a few demos, which are there on open source, of, you know, just you know, sort of sharing experiences. And what I would say is, you know, the learning experience for me was frankly a little bit painful because although it's published and it's open source, <clears throat> the documentation kit has you know, some way to go. Yes, we're still working on it. Early, yes. <laughs> I know you guys are working on it. Yep. The tutorials are good, but I think more tutorials are needed. And so the documentation is going to improve. So I thought maybe I could c- contribute in a, in a small way by writing a few more t- tutorial demos and trying to comment them fairly extensively. So people look at my code and read the comments. You can see how to do things. And there's one or two gotchas there. There's one or two bugs still in terminus, which I know are going to be fixed, but there are some workarounds. So 
I put the workarounds in, into the into the demos so people can say, oh, if you get this, this is uh, how to handle it. And also the you know the error reporting is <laughs> sometimes very torturous, and you get these really obscure errors. Yeah. And you think about them, okay, that, that's what that's about. So trying to provide a better error diagnosis, you know, hints as oh, if you get this error, perhaps this is what you've done. Yeah. And try to help out there. So. Frankly, though, it's been worth it. Uh, Terminus is very powerful. In my view, the, the query language, Wuckel, is incredibly elegant. It's actually very simple once you get your head around it. And incredibly powerful uh, because it allows you to compose very powerful queries uh, pretty quickly and pretty easily. And it's pretty natural, I think, particularly if you've got any background in Prolog particularly if you've got background in, 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 in Python. Now, you know, I played with JavaScript. Uh, I don't, you know, I'm not, my, my demos are Python only, they're not JavaScript. I defer to the JavaScript guys, but I think it's pretty, pretty powerful in JavaScript. And obviously we'll see other language support coming in due course. But for a Python programmer, you know, I find it you know, pretty natural to use once you get a hand around it. And don't despair, I think, you know, the Discord channels are very active and very proactive. And there's a lot of help out there for people who are struggling to understand, well, how do I do this? What does this mean? You know, there's people willing to jump in and try and help you through those issues. So no doubt the documentation will get better. The error messages will get better. It, it's worth persevering in my view. It's, it's a really interesting, fascinating system. Yeah, that's, that's really good to hear. And, um, you know, we really want more feedbacks for maybe our team because uh, you're like, you know, in a board and, um, so maybe anything that you think that, you know, uh, that we did well or anything that we definitely need to work harder on, like, you know, well, the to improve. The is, is phenomenal and fascinating. Um, you know, and it's, you know, really excited to be a small part in this. Uh, yes, I am. I was invited to come onto the board of directors by, by Kevin and by Gavin and really thrilled to do so and enjoying being part of the board. Um, I think, you know, it goes back to something I said earlier. I think the key challenge now for the team is it's a phenomenal team. It's great culture, great company, but you know, preserving that as you grow and as new people come into the team and the community grows, keeping that sense of fun. And you know, of course, there's going to be awful days and terrible days and days when things don't work and there's panic, but, but still maintaining that sense of of sort of fun and working through problems as they arise. And you're obviously from time to time, you're going to get people shouting at you and be shouting at each other, but keeping calm, working through. So preserving the, the, the great culture that's in Terminus right now, I think as you grow and as you expand, that's probably one of the key things that, that the team have got to try and, you know, keep, keep a sense of fun and a sense of perspective despite all the pressures that, that you're under. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a very, very nice um, comment. So, like, I, I was expecting maybe like you could be honest and tell us like, okay, you your documentation is not good and you have to improve that. That would be. Uh, well, you guys are honest. I mean, that that's part of it and accessible. You know, the, I mean, the fact that the whole team are there on the Discord channel and you can, you know, chat to anybody. Everybody is there, <laughs> and yeah. they're responsive. You know, it's great. Yeah. I think I think I love Discord a lot. Like uh, that's really a nice community. And um, so yeah, for the audience, is, is, is there any questions that you would like to um, like to yeah like to uh, put in? Just type it in the in the Q and A in the chat. 
Yep. Any questions? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like uh, usually it, it takes some time because uh, people will be typing. Typing away. And, yeah. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so maybe, um, you know, you can chat a little bit more. Like, do you have any more demo in mind that you may want to Actually, share? <laughs> I, I just finished <laughs> another spoiler? one. I just finished another one yesterday and published it, which was, it, it shows maritime movement, movement of ships, shipping in and out of Dublin port overlaid on a, on a, on a map. And it's using events in Terminus. So you can query, you know, what's the state of the system as a particular time stop. So I'm, yeah, I'm thinking about the next demo. Um, I have one or two ideas in mind. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I'm doing this for fun. You know, it, 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 it's an interesting thing to do when my downtime here, uh, isolating at home <laughs> because of COVID-19. So, yeah, I'm interested to learn more about the system. So I'm interested in, in, some further, in writing one or two further demos. And I guess if anybody's got any suggestions, you know, Let's chat on Discord. Just, just uh, contact me there straight away. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Luke actually like said that he's interested to hear more about you know uh, your experience in Iona and um, how it you know um, compares to Terminus TV. <laughs> wow. Uh, <laughs> how long have you got? Um, you know, I Iona started with three people in '91. We were about eleven people by by '93. I think we were about 40 people, 50 people when we were public in 97, and we grew to well over about 1,200 people uh, by the end of the decade. So it was, it was quite a ride. Um, companies go through a lot of changes as you increase the headcount and roles expand and your geographic footprint you know, goes from one small office in Dublin to I think we were 22, 25 offices worldwide at some point. So a lot of changes. So. With Terminus, uh, it's still really early days. You know, it's still a relatively small team. I'm not quite sure Chuck, how many people in the company, but 12 people. Is now that... we are, yeah, now we are e yeah, 11, 12. I, I lost count because uh, we do have <laughs> some, some changes uh, since the lockdown. But yeah, yes, we, we, but, uh, I think, uh, I believe we will grow a lot. Yeah. I think you will. I'm sure you will. So uh, yeah, it brings me back to the early days of Iona. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so what future of uh, Graph Database looks like? So that's a question from uh, Hamid. So yeah, what's yeah. the future of Graph Database? Any insight? <laughs> yeah, I, I, th I think, you know, my, my own view is that the world is going to migrate to Graph Databases and they're going to subsume earlier database technologies uh, and be as powerful, but allowing the, the combination of both structural and unstructured and unstructured data in one unifying model that's uh, as um, what I'm trying to, uh, looking for. You know, people run you know <laughs> run enormous businesses on relational database technology, and the data is the key asset of large enterprises. And I think graph databases is going to be as trustworthy as those large systems that we have today, and it's going to subsume them and and still be critical technology that people will run mission critical systems on. So um, I think that's the future. It's going to subsume relational, relational and become the dominant technology uh, probably, you know, in the next few years within this decade. 
Yeah, so uh, back to our company. So uh, Soraya asked, like, any tips that we can keep our culture as we scale? Because, like, we were talking about we may be scaling. So because the culture yeah. is very important to a company. So Culture is critical to a company. Absolutely. You know, and so I think being very open, having regular team meetings, and even if people are working in different time zones, it's, you know, it's a challenge, you know, the, not to feel that we're being left out because we're six hours behind everybody else or 10 hours ahead of somebody else. It's, it's keeping the culture across multiple time zones and, and that making sure that there are open meetings and regular meetings across the whole company. Uh, it may be difficult in COVID-19, but one of the things we managed to do in Iona was to offer travel. So, you know, you could be in one office for a year, but if you wanted then to relocate to another office, and you were able to do so for, you know, in terms of your family and social engagements, we would facilitate that. So allowing people to move around, obviously COVID-19 <laughs> doesn't, <laughs> yeah. doesn't support that at the moment. But, but sharing, you know, everybody's part of this team and uh, valuing everybody's contribution. And perhaps also as importantly, understanding where does everybody else fit in and, uh, you know, <laughs> what, what role do other people playing and, and how do people contribute and work together? Yeah, so our viewer, Calvin, asked, uh, do you have any demo in mind to showcase the ability to time travel? Oh, that's for her, yes. <laughs> and expand on how. No. That could, you know, um, yeah, but like Hub is not out yet, but I'm sure that after Hub is out, then like maybe you can yeah, demonstrate yeah, I can't get time to, travel. I've, I've seen uh, internal demos of Hub. It's really exciting because you can... Uh, Roll, you can very easily with a slider move back through time and see how the data has changed over time. You know, if you think, you know, I talked about Excel earlier and, and spreadsheets, you know, um, you know, you've got your finance office trying to do the budget. You've got this version of, of the Excel spreadsheet and then we've got version two and then we've got version three and then the version that we gave the board and then the version that we sent out last week to our, our auditors and you know, Excel and spreadsheets quickly gets out of control because you've got different versions of the same data and everything changed things. Hub is going to change all that. You know, you're going to be able to track versions of data that were given to different people, see how did they merge, how did they join, when did they split, did they rebase. Be able to do that with data is just going to be so phenomenal and go backwards in time to see how your data has evolved over time just very, very easily with sliding, you know, with a slider to see how did the data change over time. So Hub is, you know, really exciting. I haven't got my hands on it. I want to get my hands on it. I know it's coming. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. just waiting, waiting for the team to put Hub out there. Yeah. And a demo, because I think like a lot of viewers would love you to give another demo another time. That would be great. And um, so, uh, oh, Luke was asking like, what about a Convict 19 use case? <laughs> Which use case you can get that to? Convict 19. So it's like a hot oh, right now, yeah. Uh, a contact 19, yeah, maybe. A, a Covid 19, sorry. Covid 19, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I did think about contact tracing. That's yes. kind of an obvious thing that, that you can do. Uh, I don't know if it, people looked at my, my Irish charities demo, that, but that quickly showed how you could, you could quickly build up a network of contacts and showing influences. Clearly you could do something with, like that with uh, COVID-19 and contract tracing. Maybe, you know, that's a demo that you could do sometime. But I think what I'm interested in is particularly the exploring new features of Terminus and learning how to use them. And so when Hub comes out, I think that'll be really, really interesting to try. 
Yeah, so we have a viewer, uh, Stephen, uh, that, you know, uh, so they said that, like, uh, they're not a programmer, but, uh, you know, um, but a hobbyist lawyer. <laughs> That's very interesting background. And um, could you give, like, a very layman term of how um, terminals differ from other existing databases? Or a layman's explanation of, of uh, graph, oh, sorry, of terminus, was, was that essentially the question? Uh, for, yeah, versus other graph database, what's the difference? Yeah, because it's uh, schema-based and you're modeling properties with, uh, sorry, relationships with properties, you're modeling classes and objects and class hierarchies with objects. You've got a strict schema that allow, and the schema is highly extensible. Um, and so you're able to work with both structured and unstructured data in a very unified way and in a very logical way. Yeah, so I think uh, Hamid asked another question. Do you think Excel, um, yeah, I don't quite understand, but like uh, advanced and practical database uh, emerge. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm guessing what's asking is that like, um, you know, how, how Excel would like, uh, you know, would be uh, evolving to people using graph database, I think. So if, Hamid, if you want to clarify your question, that would be great. <laughs> so I really don't yeah, understand that. Yeah. My observation, sorry about Excel, was really uh, <clears throat> how in, you know, the finance departments of organizations <laughs> managing different versions of databases is, is a key challenge. And uh, when you, get a technology like, like Hub, it's going to allow you to quickly be able to manage versions of, of, of data quickly and efficiently. And for mere mortals, you know, for you know, one of the use cases is for the Excel programmers of this world. Sorry, the Excel, not Excel programmers, the Excel users of this world. Yeah, so um, any more questions? So I think we can take a few more. So if you have any questions, that's, uh, that's your last chance. <laughs> yeah. Will Excel face a new database emergence? Uh, emergence. Not sure I understand the question, but yeah. Sorry, that that's like uh, that's very difficult to uh, to guess what you mean, <laughs> uh, Hamid. Sorry about that. Um, so uh, yeah, any other questions? I guess. <laughs> well, I can also say that I'm active on Discord uh, with the Terminus DB Discord community. So just message me on Discord. Uh, yeah. At any time, I'll follow up there. Yeah, and like, uh, please join the Discord. Uh, I think uh, it's you know, I, I think I would actually post a link there, so people can um, can go to Discord. Uh, otherwise, you can also find a link from our website. So um, yeah, so if you you know if you join the Discord channel, you can find Chris and ask question. And also, if you have any other questions uh, with you know term about Terminus DB in general. You can, um, you know, you can ask questions there. Like our core team is hang out there all the time, so we can answer your questions. And um, yeah, so thank you so much, Chris. I think um, real pleasure. Thank you to everybody who took the time to listen. Thank you to all those terminators. Look forward to seeing you on Discord and and um, yeah, chatting to you there. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thank you so much. Okay, see you soon. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks. Take bye care. Bye. 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 Thank you for listening to Terminators on Tech. Please follow us on Twitter at TerminusDB. Questions and comments are welcome. See you next week. <laughs>